Warning. The Kingdom Cast podcast contains spoilers about comic books, movies, and entertainment in general, as well as anything else that crosses their minds. Please do not take any medical advice seriously, nor legal advice that they may or may not give out. For that matter, it's probably for the best that you take nothing that they say seriously. All right, we didn't post the podcast last week. You got me. The problem was we had already recorded an entire episode, which I was 80% done editing when Friday morning at 11 a.m. DC Comics dropped the bombshell that they're splitting from Diamond Comics. So in this week's episode, what you're getting is the following. You're getting our immediate reaction to it as we recorded on Friday, June 5th, 2020, just a few hours after DC had made the announcement that they're leaving Diamond Comics. That gave us a couple of hours to read up on everything, make a few phone calls, talk to a couple of people, and what you're hearing for the first half of this podcast is our raw reaction to that. For the second half of this podcast, and I'll make the announcement when we move over, what you'll be hearing is our updates and thoughts on the DC situation as it developed over the weekend all the way up to Wednesday, June 10th, 2020, which is the date we recorded the second half of the podcast on. So, I beg your forgiveness on this, but this was the best way we could figure to handle it after me trying to edit it five different ways last week. The episode that we had finished probably will be posted next week. And it was a comic review episode and also had us talking about the movies Armageddon and Final Impact. So, you got that working for you, which is nice. We appreciate your patience greatly. And again, any questions, comments, KingdomCasts, KingdomCASTS at gmail.com, KingdomComics at gmail.com, or hit us up on social media, Twitter and Facebook. Thank you so much, and we hope you enjoy this. Joining us once again is head of the Atlantis PR administration, Sandra Swindle. I'm Stan Daniel. With me, as always, is Albert Marsh. So, Albert. Yeah. We interrupt our news cycle for a new news cycle involving... Information that just came to light a couple of days after we recorded the initial podcast. We recorded on June 3rd, 2020, and it's now June 5th, 2020. And all across the comic book-related websites and entertainment sites, it's breaking that DC Comics has ended its relationship with Diamond Comics. We'll give credit for credit is due. Bleeding Cool was the first to report this, and when Albert saw it on Bleeding Cool. I contacted a couple of people we know at Diamond and they can one of them confirmed it completely and the other one had no knowledge of it whatsoever and was actually upset about it because they didn't know. It would appear that not all of Diamond Comics was aware of this before it broke on the internet. DC Comics almost immediately upon Bleeding Cool's publishing released a statement, and I'm going to read that statement right now. The statement from DC Comics reads as follows. After 25 years, DC and Diamond Comic distributors are ending their long-standing relationship. Moving forward, comic book retailers can obtain their DC Comics from Penguin Random House or their books and periodicals through Lunar or or UCS comic book distributors. DC continues to be committed to providing the direct market with the best in-class service and the fans with the world's greatest comics. All right, let me stop right there and clear up. Lunar and UCS comic book distributorships are two comic book stores, two large comic book stores, 
that decided two months ago they were going to become distributors. Lunar and UCS are actually DCBS and Midtown Comics. So don't be fooled by that. These are two mega comic book shops and has many people in the comic book industry is describing them. It's true. They're opportunistic. So what's happened here is DC Comics seems to be backing all independent retailers into a situation where they are subservient to and dependent upon two larger comic book shops if they want to carry new DC comics and periodicals. Now, they also mentioned Penguin Random House, but the deal is, is you cannot get the floppies, the weekly comics from Penguin Random House. You can only order the trade paperbacks. And as of last year, if you went through Penguin, Penguin Random House to get the DC trade paperbacks and hardcovers, you would receive them a few weeks later than you would if you direct ordered them from Diamond Comics. Albert, what are your initial thoughts on this situation? Well, well, my thoughts on this is the same with about everything else going on this year is that every time something happens, the reaction to it and the, the way people try to go about solving the problem or, or, you know, doing something new, they go about it in the worst possible way. How so? Like DC going beyond Diamond. One, it's a terrible time to, to pull the trigger on that. The other thing is, even though DC and Diamond was having problems and this was probably going to happen. It's just an instant thing and everyone has to react to it right then and now. It wasn't like, hey, in six months time, we're not going to be with Diamond anymore. Now it's well, just like, hey, we're not with Diamond anymore. And in a couple of weeks, you either start ordering from these new guys or you don't have product. They are directly forcing that onto shops and they're forcing it onto shops. Let's remind everybody what the catalyst for this was. Now, I'm certain at some point, Warner Brothers, AT&T, whoever DC Comics actually is, because it's not DC Comics anymore. That's just a name and a title that is next to meaningless. It's a brand. It's nothing more. It's of no more meaning to AT&T Warner Brothers at this point than just something to compete in the entertainment industry. DC Comics is essentially meaningless in and of itself. Let's go back and look at this. They're breaking from Diamond Comics because Diamond Comics shut down in a pandemic. Now, we've said several times before that before Diamond Comics shut down in order to protect not only their employees, but the people that receive product from Diamond Comics from potential exposure to the coronavirus, before Diamond shut down, DC's publishers shut down and did the same thing. What DC Comics strategy seems to have been throughout the entire time of this is, and I'm pulling from Mike Wellman of Atomic Basement in a statement he released to Bleeding Cool News, they were trying to force comic book shops to open in the middle of a pandemic to sell their product when there's nobody to sell the product to. The movie theaters are shut down for two months, we had all non-essential businesses shut down. Only places like Walmart and Winn-Dixie, you know, food chains, Kroger and such were open. They, uh, DC just fully expected their product to keep on rolling with the independent retailers having no income of their own. So what I'm taking from this current move, where they are granting all of the power to Midtown Comics, don't call them by their distribution names, they are Midtown Comics and DCBS. Both of those are comic book stores. By granting this level of power to them over the independent shops, I would believe that ATT Warner DC is trying to force a situation where 
large conglomerates are retailing what few things they're going to put out on the shelves from this day forward and screw the independent comic book shops, which have been buying to them and keeping them in the clothes. I've got news for them too. If they're relying upon these uh, giant bookstore chains, especially the two surviving ones, and I'm speaking about the one station here in Alabama that we don't give a name to, that's a great miscalculation on their part because their flagship store was shut down quietly and quickly with less than 24 hours notice to most of their employees that work there. And so these big chain bookstores, they're not doing that well. Your best hope for this are your independent bookshops and DC Comics just fucked them over. In the interim, not only have I talked to a couple of people at Diamond Comics, I've called a few shop owners, one of which had just gotten out of the business here in Alabama, and I didn't even know he had, and asked for his comments on this, and he was relieved. He was relieved that he had sold his interest in the business and had already gotten out of it. But his store was predominantly reliant upon back issues and considered new comics that came in as more problematic than anything else. But it was something that they had to do. And now with this situation, he's just glad he doesn't even have to think about it. The other two shop owners that I talked to, one in Tennessee and one in Georgia, both of them were not at all happy that they were being forced into a situation. Now, again, for years, Diamond Comics could be considered a monopoly. And while we've all rooted for competition in the area of this monopoly, one thing that Diamond Comics was not was they did not have their own comic shop interest. So if something went wrong, you generally trusted that it was a legitimate mistake and not Diamond taking care of themselves first. Well, these two other quote-unquote distributors are comic book shops. They're large, heavy-duty comic book shops, DCBS, and Midtown Comics. Now, if you're an independent, as I just stated earlier, if you're an independent comic book shop and you want to carry DC Comics, you have to deal with them. You're dependent upon their whims and their nature. This looks to be a move by AT&T to break the back from independent comic book shops. Yeah, I don't... I think at the end of the day, as far as the actual physical standard issue comics, these companies, it doesn't matter how big they are or how many billions or trillions of dollars are worth as far as AT&T and Disney goes. Mm -hmm. If they want to keep physical comics in existence, they're going to have to cater to to mom-and-pop comic book stores. Monthly floppies, despite the fact that they're about characters that everybody on the planet knows, monthly floppies are still a niche product and require people that know what they're doing to keep that afloat and sell to people. Because you can look at what that big retailer around town tried to do a few years back. They shoved a lot of money into their operation to try to do comic books, and they pretty much failed at it. Because they, yeah. the pe- they didn't hire the people that knew what the hell they were doing. They were just was, like, well, just order everything and get variant covers for everything. And obviously, we'll just make, we'll do it hand over fist. And the last time before they took out their floppies out of one of their locations and severely re- reduced your trade paperbacks, the last time I saw them on the shelf, they had entire racks of their exclusive variant covers for $1 to $2. And no one was touching them or looking at them or buying them or anything. And if that store had them, 
And every other store had them stacks of them books, and them stacks of them books were probably in a warehouse, too. Don't doubt it at all. That was not a screaming success for them. And again, that's because they're not taking time to consider the individual person. If they piss off or upset an individual person, whether it's over a comic book order or whether it's over a standard book order or customer service or the way that person is treated, they brush it off. They don't care. Nobody's reprimanded, nothing else, because they're dealing in high volume. Somebody will be along in another 10 minutes to buy from their coffee shop or grab this really expensive book off this shelf or something along those lines. The individual does not matter to them. What matters to them is how many people they can run through that store in a day. Their main has as many conglomerate large bookshops. Their main objective is to sell you discount cards and things along those lines because that's just pure profit for them. Right along the line, oh, you get 10% off your book order or what have you, and it's just pure profit. But they're not going to deal with people on an individual basis. It is truly only the floor level employees that actually take an interest in somebody. Those people that take genuine interest in their customer base that are being paid minimum wage, being yelled at and treated like crap and have you sold enough cards and yada, 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 and all this stuff. They're few and far between that can actually muster concern for the individuals that walk in and would appreciate customer service detailed to them. And comic books absolutely positively require it. It's not like it was in the 70s. When I was growing up, I would walk two and a half miles to the magic market in order to grab whatever comic books I could out of their spin rack. There's nobody motivated to do that anymore. The kids are not going to run into Walmart and want to look at the comic book rack, as DC Comics has already learned with its probable cancellation of the giant-sized comics in Walmart, which was another of their little experiments that did not turn out like they wanted it to. Going back to that for a second, I never had an issue with that. I did A lot of really people seem to, that, but at the end of the day, that was just, you know, here's, here's a box of comics that sit on a shelf. Maybe that's what they were trying to do based on this deal now but people thought it was the worst thing ever and it to me it was just well it was just a couple of... neither you nor I was overly concerned about this because our stance was it's Walmart you know how Walmart works if you've ever been in one this is not anything that was going to jump out or along those lines but yeah we weren't overly concerned with the Walmart situation but what I'm saying is is that kids aren't rushing into Walmart to find the comic books nor are they ever going to no that's the same thing this is a specialty item now and you do require specialty shops kids do get excited when they see a comic book store that is simply there to deal in comic books. They will take an interest that way. If you plug them in at Walmart or somewhere like Walmart Target or one of these big book conglomerates that's also selling toys and electronics and everything else just trying to stay afloat, then the kids are going to walk right by it and never even notice it. That's just the nature of everything now. I mean, Main Street USA ain't really a thing anymore. No. Everything's online. Main Street USA is Amazon. That's what Main Street USA is. What's going to happen is DC is going to eventually release a statement when they see the backlash from this. And it's going to say something along the lines of, for several years now, we've considered, well, you can stop them right there. 
if considering is having it written into your contract with Diamond Comics, that's one thing. But you had plenty of opportunity and incentive, DC Comics, over the past, I'm going to go ahead and say 20 years, to lead with your own distributorship. And you've chosen the middle of a pandemic when comic book shops are folding up left and right, scrimping and saving, doing what they can to maintain what little customer base is continuing to come in at this point. And you've struck a back-cracking blow to the overall comic book industry. Now, I don't want to oversell that because DC Comics are somewhat less than 30% of the comic books sold. And if you watch what Marvel's doing right now, yes, Marvel's with Disney and Disney's a big conglomerate and they could do something similar in an instance. But instead, Marvel Comics is taking slow steps to help the retailers the independent retailers who have supported the comic book industry for the last 30 years in order for them to continue to open their doors, maintain a base, and have people coming in, and to maintain your base fandom. Your fandom is not on Twitter. Your fandom is walking into comic book shops by forcing these comic book shops to have to create accounts with distributors, open new accounts, in a time where they're not sure they can make rent, as Mike Wellman of Atomic Basement put it, that's purely opportunistic. It's opportunistic on the part of Midtown. It's opportunistic on the part of DCBS. And it's especially opportunistic on the part of DC because, Albert, I'm telling you right now, this is the first shoe. The second shoe is going to drop here before the end of the year or at the beginning of the first quarter of 2021, because I think DC Comics is actively working to pull out of the physical comics realm. Yeah, but but they don't. No one's got any plan to do digital property yet. No one knows how to do it properly. That's why they're stepping up their digital program. They think this is going to be the answer to it. And if they force them to go over to digital, just like they're forcing the independent retailers to have to deal with the Midtown Comics and DCBS, then, well, they have no choice. They're going to do what we say. It's all well and good, but the strategy here, if you were Marvel Comics, yeah, this would be a hell of a blow. But you're not. You're DC Comics. And you haven't been able to control this market other than with little cheap tricks like New 52 for the last, well, since 1963. Between the two, one corporation is acting responsibly and the other corporation is just steamrolling the smaller individuals. Well, Marvel doesn't have to do anything except do what they're doing. (laughs) No, I think DC just did their job for them. Well, I mean, think about it. In in order to... the not have any issues or problems or anything. You're just like Diamond puts her stuff out. It's on Diamond's schedule. We're not even going to roll our stuff out super fast to get things going until everything stabilizes better. So we're just going to stay where we are. The way Eric, Eric Larson talks on Twitter, he's you know, image seems seemed to be the same thing. It's like, yeah, we're just waiting for him. You know, back when Diamond was shut down, he's like, yeah, we got stuff to go. And when when Diamond opens up, we'll send them out, and that's that. Bleeding Cool, I'm not a huge flag-waving fan of, but I am watching Bleeding Cool do updates right now, and you're seeing things like Dennis Barger of Quick Stop Comics. His statement is, bye-bye, DC Comics. Don't let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord split you. This is a declaration of war against the direct market, and I'm happy to oblige. Again, Atomic Basement is reporting that they're selling all of their DC Comics for $1 and their trades and hardcovers for $5 to clear 
there and make space for other comics on their shelves. Brian Hibbs of Comic Experience, this is an insane bombshell. I don't believe that it will be profitable or practical for most retailers to order low RO periodicals from a second distribution source. He's right, it's not. Then there's one guy that says, oh, just get your customers what you want. Well, it's a little more involved in that. There's a lot of comic book shops right now that are working out situations with Diamond Comics to uh, carry the load that they missed from being closed for a month and to work out alternate payment arrangements, let alone jump over or run up to Midtown Comics. Can you imagine running your own independent business and having to go plead to the mercy of your nearest competitor? And a lot of people say, oh, well, you're not really in competition with Midtown Comics. Well, you, you are now. Yeah, you are. And you especially are now. Midtown and DCBS. This is just a crap move on their part. They think that they can act as distributors. More power to them. Because the last time I checked, before the pandemic hit, it took them up to three to four weeks to get people's comics to them. Yeah, I remember some customers. After we closed last year, they, they kept having issues with, with Midtown. Oh, they had issues all the way through. And then the pandemic hit and, oh, well, we've got that excuse too. So if you can imagine what that situation is like placing an order two to three weeks in advance for comic books that come out on a certain date, get to that date and then get three weeks past that date before receiving the comic books when everybody else online has had plenty of time to post spoilers, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, yeah, no, this is a wonderful choice, DC. By all means, let's let Midtown handle this situation. I have no idea what's going on at DC, and quite honestly, at this point, I wish Jim Lee would come forth with a statement, any sort of a statement whatsoever. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if, uh, ultimately, I think as far as whoever gave the order to, to do it now is someone that's so far up the food train, Jim Lee may have not ever even met that person. It uh, uh, could very I, well be. I think Jim Lee probably saw the advantage of having multiple distributors. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is an advantage to that, but as far as the way that they've handled it as a company, they've done it very poorly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if a bunch of talent just up and leaves DC. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked at that at all because a bunch of fans are about to. A lot of comic book creators own stakes in comic book stores because mm -hmm. this is something that they've loved their whole life. Yeah. And some have very, you know, if they don't own a stake in it, you know, they may super best buddy with some uh, some owner from some small shop that they like to use. Once all that gets to them and this mess gets back to them as far as having a, a direct line to the people that it affects, whether it's them and the people that run their shops or their friends or, or the shops that they use, they might be like, I'm not going to be part of this. Yeah, I ain't going to say Marvel's going to pick them all up right now based on them still trying to get their line moving on. They've got options to go do comics elsewhere. Had DC actually found a distribution center and not walked over to two other comic book stores and said, how would you like to be in charge of DC Comics arriving on time and in great condition at all of your competition's stores? That would have been one thing. If DC Comics had done something uh, similar and made a move to another distributor a year ago, two years ago, that's fine. More power to you. But right now, what this is, is it's a pressure move. It's putting undue pressure 
on comic book shops, on independent comic book shops, and I'm going to tell you right now, there's a few comic book shops on the brink, and this may very well just push them over the brink, and the blood of those businesses lies at the foot of DC Comics and their distribution decisions here these well, last Well, I mean, think of it. A lot of these stores, every store, there was no state that wasn't affected by COVID-19 and all that stuff for the, the two major months that went through, plus all the extra time on both sides of it that it's affected stuff. But even now with what's going on, a lot of these stores that are located in, in cities, they're pretty much shutting down. They keep late hours. They don't have late hours right now. They, they're they shutting down. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, there's no gaming. In, well, in Birmingham, there's curfews going on due yeah. to the situation. Everywhere's got curfews. I assume every major city in this country has a curfew. I know, yeah, I know Jefferson do. County has a curfew. I think now it's a statewide curfew. Yeah, you know, we, some it small is town state. like Warrior ain't going to enforce it. Like you said, gaming stores, can't really do the gaming side the way that they yeah. want. This is one thing that they could not have picked a worst possible time to throw it on everybody. And on top of everything else, let me tell you a little trick they pulled. They've done this on a Friday. They did it at Friday at 11 a.m. And they did it because if you're breaking bad news and it's not emergency level bad news, when the White House when any media outlet or corporation has bad news that they want to bury, they release it on a Friday because by the time the weekend's over, there's another news cycle. And DC is especially aware of this because nobody other than the special interests like us are going to be talking about this come next week due to the current situation in America with the riots and the protests and such. This is an all-around <laughs> move and this is an all-around crap company for doing it it's something that was brought up on that that article and we didn't really think about this till we saw it in the article you know a lot of these stores and we were one of them they use diamonds point of sale system that's exactly right and now they've You're got exactly to do right. something Has... different for for dc comics i don't I, I would imagine, I mean you can upload a different company stuff into that system but i don't think there's enough time the to make it an automated thing to where stores ain't going to be in any type of bind to do it themselves. Okay, but you see, this is something else. Has much as I over sixteen years has much as I lamented we did not have an alternate choice to diamond. I cannot lie. Our business drastically improved when we got the uh, Diamond Comics point of sale system into it our store. It made it so much easier because everything was just right there. It was there. No. We could look it up. We could tell what was there, where it was, what was going on with it, and keep track of the customer pull list. Oh, my God, I cannot tell you what a godsend the mm -hmm. diamond system was to the customer pull list base. But now you're going to have to do something completely different with the DC comics and the products coming in. And again, let me point out, they're less than 30% of the market. And I think something is telling me right now, reading these responses and such coming in, and given who we've talked to and all, they're about to become a lot less than 30% of the comic book market overall. We probably won't know that because who? Oh, hey, yeah. There's they nobody. Get out numbers? That's right. They're not answerable to anybody. Diamond Comics had no vested interest in one comic book company doing better than another comic book company when they gave out the monthly reports. So you're going to have two sets of numbers coming around. And something tells me that the DC numbers are going to start coming around in charts, much like the chart that the state of Georgia issued concerning the pandemic 
where they cleverly moved things around to make it look like it was getting better. But if you actually read the chart, you saw things were getting worse. Yeah. We have a, yeah, we have a lot to look forward to thanks to DC Comics in the middle of this situation. They may have just managed to deal a death blow to a lot of comic book stores and nobody's going to forget that for quite some time. Yeah. Not anybody that deals in this fandom or deals in this level of business. If you think about it, when we closed the store when we did, that may have been a blessing in disguise because we had, we got to miss all this. We didn't have to deal with any of it. Well, again, I told multiple people at the time, the reason we're closing store is because we did not want to risk renewing the lease because I had a financial advisor point blank telling me. Now, she didn't know and I didn't know. Nobody knew there was a pandemic coming, but the instincts were that there was an economic downturn coming, that it was not time to sign another three to five year lease. And so, yeah, we're, we're blessed in that situation. I mean, as much as I miss Kingdom and I miss Kingdom and I miss interacting with the people and I know you do too and I miss seeing you every day, as much as I miss all of that, we were very fortunate. We were very fortunate to be able to close on our terms and to say goodbye to everybody and not just disappear and turn into dust as though Thanos had snapped his fingers, Yeah, which other shops are apparently not going to have the opportunity to do in the near future. And again, a lot of this, I, I, a lot of this is at the foot of DC Comics, who is actually AT&T Warner. Yeah, so. There wasn't no rent freeze on anybody. There wasn't, no. you know, it was just, I don't know. I just, I think a lot more could have been done to help out people in general yeah. through this whole thing. Yeah, time. I was shocked. I was shocked to find out the lack of help that not just comic book shops, but shops in general were receiving by having to close for the pandemic from the landlords and all. And I understand that the landlords have money to pay, and, but in a lot of cases, it is large corporations that could better work with and better shelter certain situations by reducing or discounting or putting off or, or arranging other payment arrangements. But as we can tell by multiple independent stores, and again, not just comic book stores, that has closed that that simply was not the case. Continuing with even more news about the DC Comics abandoning Diamond situation, Diamond has sent out a response, an email to the comic book shops and all, and it reads, Today, DC sent out a retailer communication indicating that they are ending their long-standing relationship with Diamond. In April, we were informed that DC was going to begin distributing products through additional partners. At that time, they asked us to submit a proposal for a revised agreement with the understanding that Diamond would continue to be one of their distributors, which we promptly did. They then requested an extension to June 30th, which we also accommodated. Last week, DC requested an additional extension through July. We responded with questions, and DC indicated that they would reply today, June 5th. Instead of receiving a response, today we received a termination notice. While we had anticipated this as a possible outcome, we, like so many others in the industry, are disappointed by their decision to end our partnership so abruptly at this time. Although we had hoped to reach an agreement with DC, every great change also presents great opportunity. Rest assured, Diamond is a strong company and our success does not depend on the actions of one business partner. While we recognize this change impacts the industry, we are well positioned to seize growth opportunities and are committed to the success of our publishing partners, the direct market, and our industry as a whole. We 
continue to be excited about the growth potential in the comic, game, and toy industries, as well as growth opportunities for our other Jeppy Family Enterprises companies. I truly believe that our comeback will be bigger than our setback, and our best days are ahead. Thank you for your continued support, and for all you do, Steve. Steve Jeppy, Chairman, Jeppy Family Enterprises, Founder, Diamond Distributors. Okay, so basically what this reading Steve Jeppy's response to the DC situation, what this tells me is that Diamond probably got that notice of termination maybe an hour before DC did the press release. And that is a big FU to not just Diamond, but the uh, retailers in general. They've not just, it's not breaking contract, they've broke a trust that the retailers had with DC Comics. We have been in touch with a couple of people that are in the know at Diamond Comics. And it was very heavily implied to me earlier today that Warner Brothers, AT&T, much like the rumors that have come several weeks before, which, to be honest, I had completely ignored and didn't think much of, but it turns out that Warner Brothers, AT&T, it seems like have no interest in publishing floppy comics, weekly comics, monthly comics, along those lines. In other words, your standard comic book Books that come out each week that you have the pull list for. They would rather publish graphic novels and trade paperbacks, which they can do at their leisure without a weekly time schedule or anything along those lines, which also explains why they're pushing Penguin Publishers as well as DBCS and Midtown Comics has uh, potential distributors. Yeah, but they call DCBS so because, and something yeah, different. Yeah, DCBS. Yeah, I'm, I'm not referring to them as their... They call themselves Lunar and something else, but what they are, Midtown Comics and DCBS. I will continue to refer to them as that because they are a direct threat to independent comic book retailers and smaller comic book retailers because now they're the only way you can get DC Comics. Now, on top of everything else we were talking about, Albert, along the lines of comic book shops and all having to go in and apply for an account with either Midtown Comics or DCBS Comics to receive their DC Comics is we don't know, and I haven't seen anything about their credit terms or what the requirements are to receive shipments from them, which could pose a problem because they could simply out and out say to their competition, any shop that comes to them for DC Comics, they could out and out say, you don't meet our requirements. Well, I think based on what I've read, they don't have... The cost to get DC books is more under any of them than it is under Diamond. Well, they're saying the discounts are going to remain the same, but here's what's not going well, to remain shipping, the same. The shipping's all, yeah. all out of that's, a, that's right. The shipping is going to kill any profit on DC Comics whatsoever. So what you're effectively looking at here is the beginning of the end of DC having weekly comics going out so long as they remain under the control of AT&T and Time Warner. Brian Hibbs, who runs comics, I think Comics Experience out in San Francisco, a couple stores out there. And he's, if you're not familiar with Brian Hibbs, I suggest you look him up. He's a longtime retailer who's very informative, has always written articles called Tilting at the Windmills. He said that the credit terms are worse with these two distributors. So, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe the discounts are the same, but the, he said the credit terms are worse for him. 
And, you know, he's well-established, very responsible. He's been around for 25 years. So I can't imagine what the terms are for, like, a new store or someone that hasn't been in business 25 years. And like you said, then there's you've doubled the, the shipping costs because these distributors, now you, now you have Diamond's shipping costs and the, and the DC distributors' shipping costs. Penguin Random House, if you're ordering any trades from them. Or triple the shipping costs. So along the lines of what we had discussed earlier concerning the diamond retail system and being able to keep track of customer discounts and customer mm -hmm. bullets mm -hmm. and such, you're going to have to, if you're a store, you cannot do your flat across the board discount anymore. You will have to reconfigure for DC Comics completely and totally and the trade paperbacks because you're not going to have, even though they're keeping their discounts, even though they say that Midtown Comics and DBCS uh, are keeping the same discounts as Diamond Comics were giving the retailers beforehand, you're going to be paying a lot more for shipping and everything else, just as Sandra and Albert both said. So you're going to have to sit down and reconfigure your entire discount length. There's no doubt that the DC price of individual comics are also going to go up. I just don't know if that's going to take a month, three months, or six months. We well, also uh, have other... Uh issues too like just from the a small store trying to run its business you now have two separate comic book orders you have to deal with At that's the very two least. different that's two different CODs you got to deal with also based on what DC wants to do you have two separate new comic book days every week right they want to be on Tuesday yep. because the bookstores are on Tuesday yep so now you've got to deal with the fact that you're on Tuesday you get to sell your DC stuff but also on Tuesday, most stores are having to process Wednesday's order that they get in. That's exactly right. And that's not a small undertaking for a decent-sized store. It took everything we had from Tuesday, from the moment of receival in the morning, of X number of boxes of the comic books, till we would close at 7 p.m. on Mondays and Tuesdays. We would still be processing them and putting them in pull lists until 9, 10 p.m. at night. That is no small undertaking at all. You're looking at a number of situations here, and all this tells me is that DC has just signaled the end of their floppy comics, of their well, normal weekly comics. Not only are they doing that, they're trying to stab the local comic book stores and Diamond in the back on the way out. Seriously, you're, you're talking about Diamond losing a third of their business. DC has already been screaming stagnant growth. Well, if you look closely at it, it's DC that is stagnant growth. It's not Marvel. It okay. was not... You can't count Marvel, though, because they pad their numbers with variant covers. And overshipments. Okay. And overshipments. But I mean, they've done that for years. Like, remember when, like, a big event would come out, and or, or even normal issues, sometimes even, like, issue seven of some random comic would have, like, five covers attached to it. You can't, that doesn't reflect readership or anything. That just reflects, hey, here's a bunch of covers. Do you want to order extra of anything so you can get this other stuff? It doesn't reflect actually what's being sold and how much is actually going out that door to different people. It does, however, reflect Boom Studios growing and Archie Comics, believe it or not, growing after Sonic the Hedgehog has moved to IDW. IDW was showing same level growth as well. And also, if we go by the Diamond numbers, are Diamond, I don't think Diamond is counting what Marvel is shipping in excess to the stores. Yeah, I think they Marvel does that. that. When they, yeah, uh, when they do count. their monthly? Okay. 
Diamond okay. does count the overshipments. They have two figures. They have items shipped, I believe, which is how many, the number of comics sold. And then they have dollars shipped. And that's how you can tell something's been overshipped because they don't match up. Diamond does count both, but I mean, it does count the numbers for overship books. And when I say overship books, I mean when you order 100 copies and they send you 150 or 200, you're getting 50 or 100, quote unquote, free. And I say air quotes around free because you have to pay more shipping for those. But you didn't order 200 copies. You ordered 100 copies. And Marvel just quote-unquote, gives you those, so um, boost their market. But again, they're not lying about the do dollar percentage. No, and no, dollar it's showing, Yeah, it's showing growth in the dollar percentage-wise, except it's not showing money for the overships, but it is not showing a stagnant market for most of the comic book vendors out well, there. Well, I Marvel. mean, how many comic book stores are going out of business right now? Well, that's a little bit of a different situation thanks to coronavirus and the uh, current situation going on in many United States cities. That's a completely different issue. If we had been having this discussion in the middle of 2019, it'd be a very different discussion because we wouldn't have these problems adding to the situation. What DC has done is by especially pushing Penguin and going over to Midtown and DCBS, and I know I keep saying this, they are essentially signaling that this is the end of their weekly comics. This is the beginning of the end of it for them. They want to do trade paperbacks and graphic novels, and they want to sell through these big conglomerate bookstores and Walmarts. Uh, as we, when we started the podcast, the rumor was, and it was a it was a stout rumor was that DC giants were no going to, longer going to be in Walmart. But as of tonight, uh, it looks like yeah, DC's going to continue to release them inside Walmart. Well, they're they're also pushing their uh, allegedly pushing their di their digital comics has their own going, and they made yeah. I read somewhere that there was a statement saying that this is a very low cost way to keep the people interested. So what those are going to become, what their digital releases will become, maybe not at first, but they will over time, will be the equivalent of movie ads in comics. Just enough, just a page or two, maybe four or five pages of something to get you interested to pick up in whatever graphic novel DC is going to release. And they're probably going to turn the majority of their concentration on the young adult market. Stuff like the Wonder Woman girls or the Wonder Girls or the Superhero Girls and the DC Pets and the Harley Quinn, uh, the target market from seven years old all the way up to about 15 or 16 in these books. So that means a step away. Now, that doesn't mean you won't get a Batman graphic novel every now and again. But what does this mean for continuity as well, if you're only releasing graphic novels? You don't have any. Well, that's right. They're essentially, what this is leading to is the dismantling of the DC universe. Guys, I'm going to say it. AT&T, Time Warner, they don't deserve the DC characters. The best option right now would be for uh, AT&T to just look at DC as a complete loss and to turn around and contact Comcast, NBC Universal, and offer to sell the DC Pantheon to them. That would be the best option for fans at the moment. Nah, they can sell the Todd McFarlane. <laughs> well, even better. That would be an even better option. But realistically, Todd McFarlane does not have that money. NBC Universal Comcast does. And that would be the better option at this point if this is is if Universal Studios and NBC Media ended up with the property of DC Comics. That's not going to happen, though, because they're going to go their happy way with this. 
fans be damned, independent comic book shops be damned, and what have you. I'm also reading in a number of comments people who do not own shops, people who basically just walk in and pick up their comics and gets mad if Diamond has misshipped something or shorted their comic book store on something. They're responding to these different articles across Newsarama, Bleeding Cool, CBR, and elsewhere has, good, it's about time. Glad they're stepping into the 21st century. Let's come back one year from now and see how you feel about that. Because you have no idea what is actually going down here. Again, the people that make those kind of comments are absolutely clueless about how retail works or how these comic books are published. And to be honest, I think this Pamela Gifford or Lifford or whatever, Lifford, Pamela Lifford, the president of Warner Brothers Consumer Products, <clears throat> I think she's absolutely clueless about how these comic books are produced. Because everything I've ever read about the production of comic books has said these are from people that actually produce comics. Jim Zub, who has done a bunch of independent comics and, of course, is writing for Marvel now, has done a great breakdown of how much it costs as an independent comic book producer. And when I say independent comic books, I mean like someone that writes an original character's or story and then sells it to an image, publishes it, that sort of thing. And I don't think it's that much different. I mean, it's, it's a little bit different, but the breakdown of like what it costs, how much it costs to print, how much it costs to distribute. And, you know, people keep talking about digital, like, well, it's cheaper to print, di to go digital. Comixology is not taking a giant cut out of that comic book price just as diamond takes a giant cut comicsology is not hosting all those comic books out of the goodness of their heart they charge the publishers to host those comic books so that you can allegedly buy but really rent those comic books there are production costs with digital that rival a print production costs. Again, when I see comments like that, I just think this person is just ignorant of what goes on in retail and what goes on in the production of a comic book. And the other thing that happens with comic books, again, I, I, I think it's Tom Brevert who said it before, is the reason why they do the floppies or one reason why they do the floppies instead of just doing graphic novels like DC is talking about, rumor talking about doing, is that the floppies fund everything that comes after because you can pay the talent every month as opposed to at the end of six months or however long it takes them to make this graphic novel. I'm telling you, IDW, Boom, all those people, they're not floating these comic books. They're not going to float the creators for six months and give them an advance. Marvel might be able to do it, but all the independents are not going to be able to give comic book creators advances so that they can spend six months without a product to sell. No, I, I mean, I assume if you're Marvel and DC and you're signing an exclusive with them, you get a salary somewhere in that. And Yeah, but, th but there's but not like, that many. Yeah, but outside of that, everyone else is just buy the, buy the comic or buy the issue if you're a writer or buy right. the page if you, do, if you do art. And you don't get paid until you turn it in. So if you're doing a graphic novel, like I said, does that mean that you have to wait six months before you get paid? Because nobody's paying for half a graphic novel. No. And wouldn't you love to have the room bugged when Bendis goes in to renegotiate that DC contract? <laughs> yes, I You want to talk about long-term effects that nobody has thought through yet? Yeah. Well, I, I, here it comes. Get ready for it. 
because now, whenever as, that contract as time, expires, as of right now, we're 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 recording the night that all this hit. I don't think many or if any comic book professionals have said anything about what's going on because they're probably waiting for DC to tell them what's actually going on. Most definitely. I think I've said earlier today, I want to hear, we need to hear from Jim Lee. We absolutely need to hear from Jim Lee. DC has blamed Diamond for their stagnant sales, which, as we've said from the money reports, just, you know, yeah, DC, you're right. Your sales are stagnant, but everybody else seems to be moving forward. They're, they're not most moving everybody. forward, though. I'm talking about from the money reports. I'm not talking about from the numbers, uh, from the number of comics shipped. Could it be better? It could probably be better, but this is also a generational situation going on here with people who actually like to have the actual comics as opposed to those that they're just not as many young people getting into comics now. Having said that, DC is DC is not DC anymore. They're controlled by AT&T, Time Warner, and DC is a label much like Pepsi Clear was a label for Pepsi Company. DC is now just a marketing gimmick to get you to up to keep the brand rolling so to speak. Quite honestly, the corporation that owns these characters do not deserve these characters at all. And what concerns me about this is that the cornerstone of comic books is Superman, of modern American comics, is Superman. And he by himself deserves much better treatment than is currently being issued to him. Well, get Elon Musk to buy it or something. Elon Musk is a little bit you, busy. Ain't he your buddy? My buddy. I just Tony like, Stark I, buddy or something I, like that? I, he put United States astronauts back in orbit. Hell yeah, I'm all for that. If I had billions of dollars, I don't I don't everything I liked. He also concentrates. So he, look, we're not going to get off track by talking about Elon Musk. That's another, that's another podcast. The majority of retailers are very concerned about this. And they're concerned about DC Comics. I think Marvel has the perfect opportunity to step up game here. I think Image Comics has the perfect opportunity to step up game here. The problem is, is you're going to have to step cautiously because we're still recovering from a pandemic. You know, DC, maybe they're just tired of dealing with comic book retailers. DC has never dealt with a comic book retailer in its life. I was about to say, they deal with Diamond. They don't deal with comic book retailers. The only contact DC has ever had with comic book retailers is when they used to call before 2007 and try to sell you stuff. And the person talking to you is a DC representative that is not at all working anywhere near the DC offices, didn't know what comic books and posters and toys he was trying to push other than what was on the list in front of him that day or her. DC Comics, like I said, it's no, not No, you DC have to look, look at it from, look at it from a, a corporate, like a ladder. You have all these characters, these pop culture icons whose movies make billions of dollars. Well, I mean, they do if you're, you're Disney, not necessarily DC. You know, you sell all this merchandise and you, in the very bottom, your foundation is print media. Uh -huh. so you're, that foundation is held together by these small shops because they're, they're the only ones really carrying the stuff. And you're looking at the ladder of how much everything makes money and who all these characters are. And you just go, why are we putting all these effort of this side of it that barely makes us any money when we put out one movie that the profit off that movie makes more money than these comic books do in 10 years? 
Imagine We've how much money they made before. off the Joker. Imagine the profit off the Joker. How, okay. how many years of print of print comics would it take to do the Joker? Oh, well, that's a wonderful point. If print comics didn't exist, there wouldn't be a Joker. And by undermining that but base... But they still have to they exist for perhaps. there to be a Joker. This is their research and development for this. And it's the cheapest damn research and development on the planet. But you don't and need they're research. About to but shoot do you it really need research and development for Superman anymore? Or Batman or Joker or Wonder Woman. Well, let's go we already know these Superman characters. versus Batman and the Justice League and decide if we need research and development for Superman. Oh, don't, and no, don't worry. The Snyder Cut's going to come out and it's going to fix all that, all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that's the final trumpet in the Book of Revelation is the Snyder Cut. Well, let me, let me just put it this way. You're talking about a man, a director, that did shot by shot. I mean, you could take the Watchmen... And you can see shot by shot, or or even the 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 three hundred. He's using the comic books as storyboards and doing his movies shot by shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to agree. And you see that more in Marvel, where they are pulling directly ideals and con. You know, they steal the title. They they say they say, oh, Infinity War. Well, that's not really Infinity War, but they do pull directly from the comics ideals and concepts and even costumes and whatever i mean the fact that you know you ideas, have marvel hickman's black order ideas concepts and characterization right and they amend them and but they're you ever books for that you just yes, you, do. you just pay those people to just make the ideas up for you you well, see, you're being facetious about that, but people listening to this are going to think that you're arguing their point. This is not a very good situation at all, and this is a corporation that if they care this little about their intellectual property, then they need to put their intellectual property into the hands of somebody that can properly develop okay. it, care for it, and uh, bring it into the next stage. And while I would love for that to be Disney, that just seems like a bit too much to ask that Disney own DC and Marvel, but their next best option is in NBC Universal or Viacom. Well, let me let me put it this way, okay? Yeah. If DC gets rid of its floppies and starts going on the versions that go to the young adult market, have you read any of those young adult graphic oh, novels? Oh God, they're they're painful. Okay, I am female, so I could be a target audience, even though I'm old. Okay, I read the Aquaman one, and I was like, I don't recognize any of these characters. I mean, not that I know that much about the DC characters, but they were just their names. The DC young adult market morphs the characters and whatever the young, young adults have, and then they slap a brand name on them that their fathers and mothers are familiar with. DC fans that are cheering this on and going, oh yeah, let's get these original graphic novels. If you think that you are going to get the kind of comic book stories that you get from the floppies, oh no, no. Go, go to your library. Go to Barnes & Noble. Go find those young adult graphic novels or young adult novels that are using the characters' names and stuff. You're not going to be happy. You're just not yeah. going to They're not aimed at us. They're aimed, they're aimed at young... They're aimed, they're aimed at like 12-year-olds. Yes, well, that's what we're but saying. That, but that's just it. Y'all's argument goes back to those uh, 40-year-old men complaining about She-Ra on Netflix. Who, no. It ain't for you. Well, that's fine. DC does what, black label. That's what, what that's what we got. We got black label. Yeah, but, but we're not going to have that anymore. We're not going to have black label. We're not going to have anything. See, this is the thing I don't understand. DC is a big enough company. Why can't they have both? I'm not saying don't publish young adult graphic novels because 
those do bring in people. People that read those then maybe come in, will buy or check out maybe a trade of whatever the newest Wonder Woman is. And that's fine. But there's no need to have just one and not instead of having both. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They should have both. The integrity of these characters matter, and what's being sacrificed here is the integrity of the characters for the sake of the potential of the almighty dollar, which they're going to find they lose when they sacrifice these characters. There's a reason that Mickey Mouse has been Mickey Mouse for the last 90 years, and there's a reason that Bugs Bunny has been Bugs Bunny for the last 80 years. When they tempered with Bugs Bunny's formula, it went down the drain really fast, and it took a decade and a half before Bugs Bunny was make, able to make any sort of a comeback, Looney Tunes included. They're screwing with the fundamentals of something of which nobody in that organization seems to have the vaguest idea of what it is to begin with. I agree. And like I said, whoever is making these decisions does not seem to understand how these comic books work, how the floppies work to support all the other versions that you get. It's because of the floppies that you get the trades, that you get the digital versions, that you get whatever is coming down the pike. What if You're they don't want any of that, though? That's that's the thing. That's the argument. What if they, don't, what if they just don't want it? Superman will become, in turn, a corporate spokesperson without these weekly comics in order to push whatever AT&T thinks that you should tithe money. Well, yeah, that's how Iron Man is, though. No, not at all. It is. Iron, Iron Man in the movies is nothing more. Like, Howard Stark is nothing more than a Walt Disney clone. Howard Stark, Some guy that was uh, way Howard above Stark his time, could have done all this and do all that. Tony Stark is just a redid up version of Disney. Howard Stark was always a compromise between uh, the personalities of Disney and Howard Hughes. Stanley never made any brouhaha otherwise, but we've always known that. Iron Man is not a spokesperson for a brand. He's not coming forward saying these AT&T phones are wonderful or this AT&T service is wonderful or you must have this. But this is what's going to happen down the road when you're only getting him in increments. Wait till Grant Morrison responds to this. Wait till Grant Morrison responds to this. He'll be able to state it far better than I'm able to at the moment. What if all these people just hate comic book stores and dealing with them? Again, you know, there's some that don't. There's some DC that deal comics like... dealing with comic book they stores. They don't. That, that's what I'm saying. They don't deal with comic book stores. Of course, they never do. once when my comics went missing did I call up DC Comics and say, "Hey, my comic <laughs> books were shipped to Alaska." No, not directly. They don't deal. Indirectly, they deal with them every day of their existence. No, they don't. Okay. Pamela Lifford has not ever been into a comic book store of her own. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. There's a lot of people that's never, not, never been yeah, to a comic book store. That's the will. problem. If she walks into a comic book store, that comic book store has already been vetted and looked at, and everything else to show Pamela Lifford what Pamela Lifford wants to see. Whatever comic book, you know, when they tell the owner of the comic book stop, shop, look, you've got the president of Warner Brothers Consumer Products coming in, kiss her butt. Well, yeah, Wouldn't you? You kiss her butt. Yeah. I'd be very polite to him, just like when we had the uh, vice president of IDW come in the store and announce. I'm always polite. I'd be very polite to Rob Liefeld until he said something. <laughs> Well, I could, I, you know, it, it's all about politeness. Now, if you know, if she walked in there and she said, look, long term, we're canceling the floppy DC comics, I would say, Miss Lifford, I think that's a bad idea. And here's why you need to sit your ass down for the next five hours and I will break this down for you. 
Well, back to that Bendis thing. If they're getting rid of the floppies, well, what does that mean for the creative people? It means Marvel has an opportunity to get Grant Morrison back. <laughs> I mean, sure. How do you think Grant Morrison's going to react to this? Because I, I don't know. Pretty much no think I've got a beat on. Well, that's right. Nobody said anything. I saw on Bleeding Cool also where they said what I said earlier to you, that they released this story on a Friday to try to give all the retailers the weekend to mull it over. All this is going to do is create anxiety uh, over the weekend among the retailers who are having to deal with their store businesses nonstop. The retailers don't take a break from their store when they're not there. When the owners of the store are on vacation or away or off day or doing something else, they're still not away from the store. There are thousands of little things constantly occur that they have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, whether they're sitting in front of their TV or if they're in the middle of Disney World. There is no break from your small business. There well, is no not worrying about it. Like everything else Warner Brothers has done across a news cycle, they, you know, when it's bad news, you release it on a Friday in hopes that everybody will forget it by the following Monday. Well, the crowd that they want to forget it most is going to be the crowd that forgets it the least. Well, to, to that point, they don't have time to forget it because they've dropped this bomb and they're giving the comic book stores basically, I think, a week to make a new account with these retailers slash distributors. Let's say it like it is, just like we're calling these quote-unquote distributors by their actual name, DCBS and Midtown Comics. Let's phrase this correctly. They're giving the retailers a week for... Midtown Comics and DCBS to decide whether or not the retailers are good enough to receive DC Comics, to buy DC Comics from them. And, and they're basically giving the big old middle finger to all of the foreign comic book stores because they can't afford the shipping costs from uh, these two retailers because... They are not shipping like Diamond. They are just Diamond. Diamond ship. has a hub in the UK. Right. Yeah. right. So. Yeah, and uh, that's not the middle finger, Sandra. That is a full-blown horse dildo <laughs> without lube. Oh, well, I didn't know if I could say that on the podcast. <laughs> well, you can because we're going to have Mickey Mouse, you know, beep it out. <laughs> okay, sure. That doesn't make up a huge amount of, of the sales, but is that really any way to treat your the what 10 15 percent of the sales no not not at all this is no way to handle any of this and it has little to no regard this goes back to we've learned that people are expendable to these corporations over the course of this pandemic and what, what Pamela you learned i've known about it since my family business went under well yeah but i'm saying we in the royal sense. I mean, technically, I knew, I've known about it since my grandfather passed away in the 90s, and we had to deal with John Deere back then, too, yeah. about contracts and stuff. Yeah, we don't, nobody means anything to any of these people. Uh, yeah, Every, Everybody, everyone that is not on that board of directors, they're all replaceable and they're all expendable. <laughs> that last corporation was real horrible to you, too. Even after it closed its doors, it made an entire podcast show for you. I still work for that one for free, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, what we're learning here is it's becoming more and more readily apparent that these companies think of <laughs> think of the general public as nothing more than their source well, yeah. of generating income. 
and that's look, it. Look at, look at they don't care what they do to the income. Look at all these big box retailers. Here's what we're looking at now. Now they're screwing with bread and circuses. They're screwing with the circus part of bread and circuses. And it's going to get real hazy here on in. I'm telling you right now, y'all want to make a difference? Email everybody you can at AT&T and uh, Warner Brothers. Just let them all know. If you care about these characters at all, the writing's on the wall for this. I'm not saying that Superman's disappearing, and I'm definitely not saying that Batman's disappearing. I am saying that I full-on believe, based on everything I've read, everything I've watched, and the people that I've talked to today, that they are trying to phase out floppy comics, and this is the first part of that. Something interesting that Bleeding Cool pointed out was that Midtown Comics and DCBS still have to get uh, their Marvel Comics and other comics from Diamond Comics Distributor. If I was Steve Jeppy, you know what I'd be mulling over right now? Yeah. He, Diamond may not be able to do that, though. Yeah, because those are two gigantic accounts. I tell you. Well, you know what? <laughs> They could always accidentally ship their orders weekly to Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> or just ship them a week late. <laughs> I never liked the fact that Diamond Comics was a monopoly, and I'm going to reiterate this again. Always wanted a second choice in this. Two comic book shops that are competition suddenly deciding that their distributors are not a second choice. It is a fiefdom. This does not bode well for anybody, especially does not bode for those of well overseas. And I know y'all think that, oh, look, this is a former store owner and his manager griping and complaining about this. Ladies and gentlemen, if you really think that, you don't understand what's going on here. Well, and it needs, is going to affect you in the next year or so. Well, what needs to happen, and I would guess it would happen on Monday, I would hope. Yeah. Is that there needs to be, you know, generally, you know, someone official from DC Comics, not further up the, the chain in AT&T or, or, you know, just some corporate dude from AT&T. They need to say, here's what we're doing and here's how we're doing it. Here's the plan that they just then pulling the rug out from everyone and then being like, well, if you want your books, you got to get them from here. And then and then that being it ain't going to do anybody any, any favors on anything. They need to at least say our contract went out with Diamond. We couldn't come up with, with an agreement with them, so we just went over here to these other guys. And that's more than likely, on a base level, probably what really happened. And who knows how long we go before any of these other major comic companies' contracts run out with Diamond. Someone's got to do some type of official announcement that assures retailers and the readers that, hey, this is what's going on, but don't worry, because we still got a plan going forward. Something along those lines. And they also need to come out and to state that they are behind weekly, monthly comic books floppy shipments are not and where that's going to go this is a shot across the bow of the direct sales comic book retailers i reemphasize that this is not going to mean that you can suddenly pick up comic books in your local winn-dixie or kroger again that's not going to be what this is about this is them changing format and moving away from the direct sales retailer which has been the only source you've been able to get comic books from since the late 90s, if not before then. That's for a variety of reasons. That's not just the fact that because the fan base was not aging then. The fan, fan base in the 90s were young was a wonderful assortment of ages. 
and continued to be. And it was drawn into comic book shops and it was comic book shops that held the interest and saw some of the best years in comic books since the golden age. But uh, also Bleeding Cool does have uh, a bunch of question and answers from DC Comics where they're trying to spin this that, oh, this was just the perfect opportunity for all this to happen. And my favorite thing down here is when you get to the question, what about my credit terms? DC Comics response, DC Comics official response is credit terms are set with your distributor. Mm -hmm. Sandra, what were you saying about tilting at windmills? Yeah, Brian Hibbs said that his credit terms were were much worse than he gets from Diamond. Because they can't do what Diamond can do. Yeah, and, and like I said, Brian Hibbs, you know, this is not some fly-by-night guy that's been selling comics for a year or two. This guy has been selling them for 25-plus years. He's Everybody knows him that works and that has a heavy financial interest in the industry you've known or heard of or even met Hibbs. Yeah, and if he can't get better terms, he says, I am also being offered substantially worse payment terms from these new quote-unquote distributors. They're not really distributors. They're jumped-up retailers and the direct competition for periodical comics for every independent comic book store owner. So my cash flow will be curtailed when I need cash flow the most. You want to know their customer service policies and all? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I know given our listener base, there's a good number of you that's had to call Midtown Comics and ask before the pandemic, where are your comics? Where are the comics that I paid $70, $80, $100 for and ordered two, three, four weeks ago? Remember how you were treated over the phone then and strap in. Enjoy yourselves and what's about to come up. I'm disgusted with this situation and what breaks my heart most, and this is going to sound utterly and completely ridiculous to most of you out there, is the treatment of Superman and all this. Those characters matter. And I would really, as much as I want to hear from Jim Lee, and I I think we really, really need to hear from Jim Lee sometime soon, very soon, as anxious as I am about that, I want to hear from Grant Morrison as well. Well, him and Jeff Childs and... Yeah, but Grant... Bendis and everything yeah, else. But, yeah, but Grant's Grant's crazy in a similar way that I am about these characters. These characters, uh-huh. these characters, it makes me sound insane to say the characters are real, but I'm going to give you an example. Well, Bugs they're as real as you and me. That's right. Bugs Bunny has changed the English language several times over. The reason people associate carrots with rabbits is because of Bugs Bunny. Rabbits have no preference for carrots. <laughs> the word Nimrod. Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That's what the name Nimrod means. But because Bugs Bunny turned around to Elmer Fudd, who was hunting Bugs Bunny, and Bugs called him a Nimrod, well, the audiences didn't know what Nimrod meant, and so they assumed it meant idiot. And from that point forward, when somebody calls somebody a Nimrod, you think it means idiot. Bugs was being sarcastic. Cannot tell you how the Disney characters have changed people's lives. Cannot tell you how Superman has changed real lives, how Spider-Man has. They are substantial. They are more than a part of our culture. They're a part of our everyday lives. What I view this has is a complete and total disregard for that. They're being looked upon as nothing more than paper property that is to be shuffled about by the whims of a corporation that does not understand any of the properties that they own to any significant degree. 
And I really hope that Grant speaks out soon and quickly and backs me up on that. <laughs> so I don't sit like a raving lunatic. Grant Morrison's going to come out and say, this was all my idea. Oh, no. <laughs> DC promised me if we went with other guys, we could have real superheroes by the end of the year. And then after he does that, we retool our format to politics. <laughs> yep. I don't know what more to add to it at this point. I'm sure we're going to have something more to say on it next week. So you know what we know, and we just needed to rant and rave a little bit about this. Albert, you got anything to add? I do not. Sandra? I just think people that are cheering this on are going to be very, very, very sorry. It just seems like a gigantic mess, and I really do worry about the future of comics now. I really don't understand what the heck DC is thinking, but if they're thinking they don't want to publish floppies anymore, well, they're now, doing again, everything right Well, ain't DC, it's at and I think the whole thing is stupid how it was done. I was just trying to look through it. I'm not trying to look through it through the eyes of a retailer. I'm trying to look through the eyes on the corporate level, which is on the only thing that matters in this. Yeah. That's the only th any of the decisions or anything, they're going to come from that end. They ain't going to come from Joe Schmo that, that sells 20 copies of Batman every week. It's not going they to don't, come from any sort of... They don't get their say in this. Yeah, it's not going to come from any sort of artful point of view at all. And that's it. And let me point out again, DC Comics has not announced that they're trying to get out of floppies. But by all of their actions, this is exactly what it looks like. This is exactly what it looks like. As Bleeding Cool has reported about Pamela Lifford and from the uh, one person in particular that I talked to today had not said that name at all, but said that it looks like they want to make a move away from publishing weekly, monthly floppy comics. This is definitely what it looks like. And if we're wrong, we'll be the first, if I'm wrong, I will be the first to admit that I'm wrong by saying that, and I will be relieved to do so. But all indications, Penguin Publishing, turning the distribution over to Midtown and DCBS, it definitely looks like they want to move away from that format. And plus, the rumors on this have been going for quite some time, and I just thought the rumors were too ridiculous to believe. So I'm admitting that I was wrong on that. So yeah. in closing, Pamela Lifford, prove me wrong. <laughs> Again, my only hope, as I said when DC announced that they were just going to start releasing books digital at the beginning of the government shutdown for, because of the pandemic, I just hope that Monday morning somebody wakes up with 40 gazillion emails and they decide they're going to walk it back. Because that DC does that. They announce yeah. something and then walk it back. Once they get a, a reaction, I, this may be this may be all that this is. I would not be surprised. Here's what I think would happen: DC's contract ran out with Diamond, and they sit at a table. And Diamond's like, "Well, here's our terms. Here's what we do. You know, there ain't no one else you can take it to." And DC was like, "Well, we own Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. We're gonna tell you what to do." And they're like, "No, you're not." And so DC was like, "Well, screw you. We're going over here with these other guys. You you do what you want." But you're not going to dictate us while we own characters that are worth billions of dollars and you're sitting on your hands. I'm going to disagree with you there. I don't think Diamond at all would approach DC in that manner. Diamond recognizes how important DC is to not just Diamond, but to the comic books industry. And they would not 
inflame a gazillion dollar corporation that could breathe distribution centers into existence overnight, they would not tempt fate there. If you recall, at the merest, at when Disney bought Marvel and Diamond thought there was the merest chance, the slightest possible chance, that Disney was going to use its own distribution centers, it changed the way they did everything. I think that Jeppy approached DC, uh, AT&T, Warner Brothers, with all possible humility, and as he states, they extended, they extended, and then you'll receive our answer in the wind. You know, there's the answer. I, you know, I do not think they were aggressive on this at all. It makes sense. The last two weeks or the last week about DC's comics being late, quote unquote late with Diamond, now it's starting to make a lot more sense. Last week when DC sent out that email to everybody saying Diamond has delayed these comics, and it's happened a zillion times in the past, now we understand why DC was taking swipes at Diamond. They were trying to sway public sentiment. And what DC is going to look at is the comments on these websites like CBR and Bleeding Cool from the general populace saying, it's great Diamond has competition and not listen to the retailers who are actually having to get the people that are making the comments their comic books each month. It will not be as simple as do what you have to to get your customer the product anymore. It's not going to be that simple and it's not going to be that easy. If Hibbs is having trouble with it, everybody's going to have trouble with it. Yeah, it's just kind of depressing right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, but, it, you know, we'll see how this shakes out. That was our raw response to the DC Leaving Diamond Comics announcement that we recorded on June 5th, 2020. What you're about to hear now is our further thoughts on it and any developments that occurred since then. And we recorded this next bit this past Wednesday on June 10th, 2020. That, remember I said something about the person in charge of DC now? That some somebody, I forget who, was blaming Pam, Pamela Lifford? Yeah. Well, it turns out that Pamela Lifford used to work for Disney and she left Disney. She was one of the three women executives that sued Disney over Ike Permaluter uh, or whatever his name is. Remember that? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Permaluter. Uh, what was her specific suit against him? Because you, you got to be a little... He was... I know there was a brouhaha because he didn't want any female action figures. Okay, it says... This is from Bleeding Cool, but I remember when this... Because they're always talking about Ike. I remember when this happened a year or two ago. But anyway, after he sold Marvel to Disney and became one of the larger stockholders, said that he was going through their consumer products department making changes. The chairman of the unit left. Then these three female executives... Had had filed a complaint alleging that, that he made threatening remarks to them and then they hired a lawyer and there was some kind of harassment suit apparently i guess there was an nda these three women ended up leaving and settling with disney over ike and the shenanigans i guess he was doing over there i am not at all a fan of ike Perlmutter. Mm -hmm. never have been when the allegation comes out that, uh, how did you put it? Something where they felt he was threatening them. Where he was threatening them. Okay, here's something that's an ugly truth, and it's been a hidden truth. And if you've watched Mad Men, you know this. It could very well be 
and I don't know the entire story, and I'm willing to believe the worst of Perlmutter, but in business situations like that, let's say your sales force is all male, mm-hmm. and you're the uh, sales manager, and you go into a sales meeting because you're not, people are not moving enough wickets, all right? And so in the sales meeting, the sales manager with all men boy, there's going to be some stuff said. Mm -hmm. They are going to threaten you. They are going to call your mother a whore. They are going to just rip into you left and right in this old school situation. Now, here's the problem with that is when you integrate a female salesperson into that all-male staff, that sales manager is not necessarily going to change the way he speaks to people or talks to people. If you felt you wanted this job, if you have got hired for this job, then you're no better nor no worse than anybody else sitting in this table. And your mother's a whore. It proceeds from there. I'm saying this not as a hypothetical, but out of real life experience, where immediately Within day three of a woman being hired into a literal sales staff and witnessing what is said in sales meetings by the sales manager, immediately contacted her lawyer and said she was, again, being threatened. This particular sales manager treated her no differently than anybody else. This had gone on for at least a year and a half beforehand since he had been there, and it continued on. It was his style. It was the way he got things done. There's a very distinctive difference between sexual harassment and that sort of harassment. Now, my feeling has always been is that there are better ways to communicate and get better sales or get a, or reach your goal better than that sort of situation. Have you seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, either of you? Yeah. Okay, that's it. Alec Baldwin, that's point blank yet. That's how people are spoken to in some of these high-level meetings. I'm not saying that that was her experience. You could be right. There could be an NDA out there. He could have sexually harassed her. I'm just saying that I've personally witnessed women just shocked witnessing that what was previously an all-male staff in certain situations go through. It's really that bad. I've seen management make grown men cry. Mm-hmm. I mean, just out of the blue. Your wife had a baby? That's great. Get your ass back here. You're under quota. Heard that point blank said before, within hours of the baby being born. My experience is throughout the 90s, and that's just basically it. It is a different kind of environment and one that most of these situations have had to adapt to. And also at the same time, let me proffer this. I knew women that very successful in environments like that, where they sit through the same verbal and mental abuse and everything else, and they thrive just like some of the guys do. Some of the guys, yeah, it just completely breaks them down. Boy, you could decide in your first week after two sales meetings whether or not you were cut out for this. That did a lot of them. Did she have every right? She had every right to do that because Perlmutter is of the old school. Female action figures don't sell. That was his policy. It ain't real hard to tell where he stands on things. Not at all. But I don't know to what level. I would be hesitant to say to what level the harassment occurred. I'm trying to read up more on it, but I just thought it was really interesting that, especially after, because like usually I I I would kind of blow off Peter David saying, "Oh well, DC's trying to take out Marvel," but now I'm like, "Well, wait a minute." That makes sense. <laughs> When I read what Peter David said, and Peter David said that this is DC out and out declaring war on Marvel, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought, what's making you say that, Peter? Because Peter, you can say what you want about Peter, but I have seldom, seldomly seen Peter David say something concerning the comic book industry that was unfounded. 
which I took it to mean that Peter David knew some stuff going on on the inside. Given the information you just shared that this is that this woman is a fair to say disgruntled employee of Marvel under Paramount. She used to work for Disney with their consumer products. And when Ike went in and started cutting, firing people there, she was yeah. one of the one of the people. Yeah, I smell longer a situation. I suspect that that's the reason why. But if it's being rumored that she's behind the situation, what one could extrapolate, the thought process is, is that, yeah, we'll one-up Marvel in this. When in actuality, given everything we know and how it stands right now, you're upending the entire comic book industry. I don't doubt for an instant that they know that. I'm not sitting here thinking, if only somebody at Warner Brothers, AT&T, understood and knew. I don't think that for an instant. I know they know. The problem is they have no fundamental understanding of what they're playing with. In their mind, they're playing with chess pieces. In reality, what they're doing is playing with characters that are so significant to American mythology and the American psyche that uh, you cannot understate their importance. They're messing with their power base, and that's only going to hurt them in the long run. I don't know if that's the case at, at, at all, but I mean, I, now, I mean, I kind of feel like, okay. Oh, no, after... no, we have no evidence that that's right. it. It's just given what you're saying, given what Peter David said. Yeah, because I was if wondering, you have well, some where... money, put down on it. Well, I was like, well, why in the world would Peter David say that? And now, I mean, now I'm, I'm not saying that that's true. I'm just saying that, oh, okay, well, maybe that's where he's coming from. It's just interesting to me that there was a connection between... We are now living in a reality where Rob Liefeld called this on the nose about two months before it happened. If Rob Liefeld is right, anything is possible at this well, point. Well, it may, it may have been like an industry-known thing and everyone just sort of shut their mouth about it. They may not have thought it was substantial. They may, not have, they may have thought, no, they're not going to do that. Now, Diamond said that they considered this a possibility. And they had planned contingency on it after DC asked Diamond for the first extension. But I really do believe that most everybody in this situation that was not DC, that's not AT&T, Warner Brothers, thought that oh, there'd be a resolution to it. What Sandra said previously from last week in the first part of the podcast about them wanting to move everything from Wednesday to Tuesday because that's when Warner Brothers releases all other media. Yeah, that's exactly what they want. And that's why they keep mentioning Penguin Books first. And everything DC states, DC seems to have a penchant for mentioning Penguin Publishers first, which has nothing to do with the floppies, but instead will carry the graphic novels. One well, Penguin, that oh. Penguin Press has bigger overarching reach than anybody. Well, yeah, but Penguin is not at all handling floppies. No, they're doing trade paperbacks. But that's, that's exactly what, that's the right. Point. That, that's mm -hmm. the point of that, though. In general, it gives them a much bigger reach than Diamond or one of their other two comic book distributors can get as far as the amount of stores they can get in, they can be put into. I read one article that was an opinion piece by a store owner, and I don't remember the store owner's name. You can find I'm I'm sure several of you have read it. I'm not even sure where I saw it online probably Bleeding Cool or CBR, but it was a uh, opinion piece about the whole reason that he was mad DC had left Diamond was because his shop was the only shop in his area that was selling DC comics on a Tuesday, and as a result, they were getting more and more customers because he understands the collector's mentality. 
as I sat there and I read that, I, I thought you were showing zero insight beyond two weeks from now. You know, this is all well and good. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, but you're not thinking about, let's, let's see how you feel about this a year from now, a year and a half from now, when you're down to maybe how many floppies you say DC puts out a year from now, Albert. I'm going to say maybe 15 floppies a month from DC. 15 oh, standard no, I, I have no idea. Sandra, do you have a guess? What if nothing no. really changes for comic book shops outside of just having to use a second distributor? Oh, that would be great, with the exception that that second distributor is DCBS and Midtown, and it's at their leisure to decide who lives and dies so far as selling DC Comics on the stand is concerned. That also tells me that's why it's uh, DCBS and Midtown Comics, why they were chosen for this, because they can easily be dropped or discarded once DC makes the big move. And again, what we're saying is speculative, but it's speculative by way of Rob Liefeld said it. And, and Here's Rob the... Liefeld, people, Rob Liefeld. But he said it two months ago. And nobody paid him any attention. And we even mentioned it and dismissed it. Well, I was blocked uh, from him. I couldn't read his tweets. <laughs> now, here, here's I wasn't. What, I was still reading his tweets. Here's, the, here's why the diamond thing happened. The diamond thing was probably going to happen no matter what. And here's why. Someone at D.C. sat down at a table with the diamond reps, whether it be a D.C. rep, AT&T, Warner Brothers rep, whoever, and said, we're D.C. Comics. We're Warner Brothers. We're AT&T. We're worth way more money than you are. We own Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. We were a million times bigger than you. We're going to call the shots on what happens to our comic books. Diamond just said, no, you're not. So DC went, okay, we're going by. I'm telling you, you said that again earlier, and I'm telling you, man, there's nobody at Diamond Comics with that much hubris. First off, what you've yes, got they to are because Diamond's called the shots for, de for for over twenty years, and that doesn't they matter. They decided when new comic book was day day was. They decided how stuff got shipped out. They threw up. Now I'm not saying I disagree with them during the pandemic stuff about being shut down and all that. I don't disagree with any of that. But DC was, and you know, AT&T was like, we want our product out there to where people can at least order it and get it. Those that can, and Diamond just said, well, no, we're not going to do that. So they're like, okay. whatever, okay. it's our stuff. We'll take it elsewhere. Let me give you an idea of. Uh, how the upper echelon of Diamond Comics works. And you've heard this story before, and Sandra, you may have as well, so bear with me. Uh, there was one week where uh, our comic books did not show up. I don't think, it could have been the week they got sent to Alaska, but I don't think it was. I was on my way to Mississippi, and I was dealing very cordially with our customer service representative over the phone, and I said, I need those comics, I'll be there my ETA is I'm three and a half hours out. I'll pick them up and I'll bring them back. Now, this had happened in the past before, and they had always had them waiting on me. They would always restock our order as best they could, have them packaged up and ready when I'd pick them up. And then, you know, we'd work out the deal of where did the comics go later. I never knew that end because we never received them. So this particular time, there was a new vice president that was in charge of uh, certain situations at Diamond, and this was one week after Disney had bought Marvel. On the way up there, our customer service representative called me back on my cell phone and said, Stan, listen, uh, they're saying no. It's not my supervisor saying no. This is coming from a vice president. He's saying no, that we're not going to have your comics ready. And I asked to speak to him. So 
while I'm driving up Corridor X, I eventually get him on the phone and I explain to him the situation. I said, all of our competition, they have their comics. I don't have my comics. I need you to have the warehouse assemble them. The check has been written. You've got the money. I want the comic books. I don't care if they got misshipped or whatever. I just want to pick up the duplicates from your warehouse so we can salvage some of Wednesday. Wednesdays are very, very important to comic book shops, in case you didn't guess. The vice president actually told me, I failed to see how this is all, uh, how this is Diamond's problem. And I asked him real politely, I said, can you give me just a second, please? And he said, sure. So I pulled my vehicle over to the side of the road and I told him point blank. I said, I can understand your point of view on this. Certainly, you have every right to believe that this is not Diamond's problem. Then I said, however, there's a mouse that just bought the biggest comic book company in the world. And you better believe that he's got 250 distributorships inside the southeast and when he looks at the books and everything else and sees that diamond comics is money on the table that's coming out of his pocket do you think that mouse is going to hesitate for a second to take marvel comics distributorships from you when he does it won't be your problem anymore because i know who i'll be writing my checks to from then on that's about as stern as i had ever gotten with anybody at diamond and everything was always very cordial and everything else. But when he had said, I failed to see how this is our problem, when it was clearly their problem and their mistake, that really ticked off something inside of me. He said, I'll call you back in 15 minutes. And I said, please. And I got back on the road. He called me back in 15 minutes. He didn't say, this is the last time or it's never going to happen again. What he said to me directly was, your comic books will be waiting at the warehouse for you. I am nobody in comparison to that. He thought that they had a standard, standard set of rules that they were going to follow and obey. So if they were that cooperative with me then, you bet your ass that they are constantly under fear that either Marvel or DC, during their entirety of Diamond Comics' existence, could up and walk away from it. If you're to believe the news stories that are out there, DC has been threatening this for quite some time. Quite some time being somewhere around the 10-year mark. Why they waited to this situation when comic book shops in America is going down like flies left and right due to being closed for two months and the pandemic and people scared to spend money. Well, I, we got a good guess on that, too. This is the strong survive scenario. And if you're not one of these mega places like Midtown or DCBS, you're probably not going to survive this or you're probably going to have to give in to these mega places. And they're just going to slow down the production of their monthly comics. They're going to try little experiments with their digital comics and so on. But you cannot convince me that at any time Steve Jeppy or anybody from Diamond Comics, sat across from DC Comics, sat across from Superman, and said, this is how it's going to be. That I believe, just that, I believe they did that 100%. Man, I'm telling you, the whole mentality of Diamond Comics is not capable of that. I'm not calling them weak, but I am saying that they know how precarious their situation has been for God knows how long. They would not roll the dice on that. Not on DC Comics. Not on Marvel Comics. Now, they might own Archie or IDW, but I don't even think that. Well, 
to add to that story as to what D- Diamond is going to put up with, or did you read the letter that the guy that runs Mile High wrote, his response to the DC, Chuck Rosansky? Yeah, I read that. Albert, did you read it? Maybe yep. I've read it. Chuck started off by saying, First off, let me make it clear to some uh, to the majority of people attacking me, we're not attacking DC Editorial, we're not attacking the story, we're not attacking the product. What we're complaining about is their mother company's decision. Well, that was his response to the critics of his first response to the DC announcement, which was to launch a DC Sucks 50% off sale. Well, who wouldn't do that? That's just good business at this point. The standout thing he said in his first letter was, at one point in time, Diamond floated him for almost a million dollars. Yeah, I saw that. And I was like, holy heck, who the heck floats anybody that amount of credit? I mean, Steve Jeffy at one time was worth, I think, $27 I'm not 100% on that, but he was worth a good amount at one time. Absolutely stunned. So to me, that that company, at least at the time that Chuck owed them all that money, you know. He owed them all that money recently. What he said in the letter also was he just recently paid off that million to Diamond by selling one of his warehouses or properties Mile High owned. Diamond also lost a substantial amount when Hastings went down. Yeah. About how many years, Albert? Three, four years? I thought it was longer than that. It may well, I don't been. know because it, cause when Hastings went under, they owed like Funko $10 million for pot figures or some crap or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, they and they owed Diamond a staggering amount. I've had to lean on Diamond Comics Credit Department before as well during the 2008 situation. The last time the world and the economy was ending. And I got to tell you, Diamond goes out of its way to help retailers in those situations. They pulled a lot of retailers through the 2008 financial crisis that wouldn't have made it otherwise. You know, has, and I have always said, and I reiterate now, I don't want Diamond to be a monopoly. Well, you got it. We all got it. We're trading one monopoly for another now, and the difference is this other monopoly is a mega comic book chain that gets to determine whether or not you order DC books from them. That's not a good move. That's not a good situation. I do believe that the intention of AT&T, Time Warner, with DC Comics and their decisions is to ultimately break the back of the comic book stores in their search for, you keep seeing the word stagnant appear over and over again. You know how not to make those characters stagnant is not to do what you were doing the last 15 years with them. Well, I've gotten to Uh, the point where where these movies that make billions of dollars barely do anything for comic book stores. It's not that they ever did. We'd have fun tie-ins and stuff like that. We'd go and we'd give out prizes and we'd have cosplayers show up. We stopped doing that, say, after Avengers, when we had cosplayers like the Avengers show up and we gave out prizes at two of the local theaters. We stopped doing that because the theater chain changed hands. It wasn't like after Iron Man and Watchmen, they were driving people into comic book stores with the movies. They've gone mainstream, and ultimately, that seems to be what AT&T Time Warner wants to do with DC Comics is to make it so mainstream to turn their comic books into things you can buy at Walmart. Well, yeah, that's what the Penguin deal is. Who's the biggest bookseller in the country? It's Walmart. Walmart's the biggest bookseller in the country. Who's got better access to Walmart? Penguin or Diamond? Well, Penguin does. So, okay, we'll on this comes the 
all this comes at the death of the floppies. We don't and know that's that it. yet. I, I'm, I'm I mean, it's 2020, and you can still buy vinyl records. I'm going to have to agree with yeah. Sam. that DC has just decided that they're going, because they keep, they also keep talking about how, oh, we're, we're doing this for the good of the comic industry and the, looking toward the future. And they've decided that the future of the comic industry is digital to get a big chunk of the young adult juvenile graphic novel market, which is making a buttload of money. At a comic store, you know, people talk about Batman or Marvel or whatever, but two of the biggest selling comics or graphic novels are Dogman and Raina Telemaker's series of books. I know I just mangled her name. Drama, one of them. I think Guts is her newest one. Isn't Dogman made by the same people who made Captain Underpants? Yes, I believe so. Okay. And where can you buy those books at every single Walmart? You're exactly right. I'm not arguing that aspect yeah. of you. My contention is, okay, if that's where DC is headed toward, the people that are like celebrating the end of Diamond's Monopoly, the end of the comic book store have to realize you're also celebrating the end of the types of comic stories that you've been reading for the last 50 years. For your years. life. Yeah. You're not going to get Dark Phoenix no, under the thinking. format that they want to move to. You're not going to get Dark Knight or Watchmen. Under. Can you imagine somebody trying to pitch Watchmen to Walmart? No. I mean, you're On just... On their shelves. Watchmen by Alan Moore. At your nearest Walmart. No, that ain't happening. They'll sell Fifty Shades of Grey all day long while it's in a shrink wrapper, but they're not going to put Dr. Manhattan's penis on display. Well, it also makes sense. They sell the movie. Why wouldn't they sell the book? Exactly. Ask them. Now, when you think about it, think about it. Now it makes sense that they got rid of Vertigo. Mm -hmm. I mean... They got rid of Vertigo because Vertigo was ran by idiots. Who got by and got an easy job for years simply because they were buddies with Neil Gaiman. And while they sat around on their hands and occasionally put out a Neil Gaiman book and said, well, here's Fables. We put out Fables 2. It does okay. That was Image came, Image came in. Yeah, I know that. Image came in and took all that away from them. And the people at Ren Vertigo were like, eh, but we're buddies with Neil Gaiman. What are you going to do about it? Okay, and maybe once every three years we'll put out a Swamp Thing book till DC finally decides they've had enough and they ship it from us. That's not quite happened to Ver what happened. That Vertigo is exactly what happened. Vertigo, Vertigo was ran by people woman. that 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 kept their head in the nineties with with Sandman and never looked at a, a million other books that were coming out and they lost it all. At the same time, Vertigo is responsible for you having Grant Morrison's Animal Man, even though it did not fall under the Vertigo title until That's later. Like Thirty years ago, though, Sandy was. Sandy Berger? Karen Berger. Karen Berger. Karen Berger. Yeah, Karen Berger. Vertigo began to fall when Karen Berger got dismissed during Didio's reign. Didio oh, did not want any allocations going It happened her. way uh, before that. The death of Vertigo happened the day Image put out Walking Dead number one. That's really when there was no turning back. When Walking Dead one hit, even though it took a while to get it over, that's the end of Vertigo because Vertigo just sat back and let all that stuff go to Image. 
I can grant you that that's the beginning of the end of Vertigo, but Karen Berger could have still pulled that out had she had the resources. And she what? created call it from up, nothing. Call up Neil Gaiman and say, hey, can you put out Neil a three did book not, that'll come out? Neil, they'll take two years to come out. The Vertigo title came about not because of Neil Gaiman, but because of Grant Morrison. Neil Gaiman was a happy aside to it. At the time, Sandman was being pitched as something a little bit different to Neil Gaiman. That explains the difference between the whole first six issues of Sandman and the remainder of the arc that went ten volumes long. It was Grant Morrison's Animal Man under Karen Berger that helped DC see the need for that sort of an imprint. And that's why at later dates, Grant Morrison's Animal Man and Doom Patrol was published under the Vertigo title. Now, there's no doubt about what you're saying. Yes, you're 100% right. The moment Image rang out with Walking Dead and started its revitalization and understood that it could go after the market that Vertigo had helped identify, not create, but identify, yeah, that was the beginning of the end because she didn't have the same support that she did when it started in 1980, I think, 88, 89. I'm not dismissing what you're saying at all. Uh, and its longevity could have been, I don't know this, but its longevity could have been because of what you were saying. Because after Berger left, there were no significant, not what you would consider actual Vertigo titles other than Why the Last Man, which was under her watch as well when it began, and Fables. A lot of this is like becoming merged in my mind, but I've always saw DC as far more patient than Marvel and willing to grow titles and imprints and give them time to grow. Kind of like the CBS of comic books. They're not like Marvel or some of the other ones where we throw it out there. If it doesn't do good in six months, then we just axe it. Or if it doesn't do good in a year, we just axe it. And then once they've grown something, they are reluctant to let it go. So when Vertigo went, I was shocked. I was really, really shocked that DC made that move. I was. Once a year, we'd get some Vertigo. Here's some new books from Vertigo. They'd be fine, but they would really just be things that wasn't put out through Image, and then we would just go through the same cycle next year. DC is willing to lose money hand over fist on all kinds of titles, and and I don't think they lost money on Vertigo titles. It just didn't seem like a very DC thing to do when it happened. We have to understand, DC was kept afloat for a very long time because of two things. The Watchmen trade paperback was a Vertigo trade paperback for a very long time mm-hmm. and the sandman trade paperbacks that's that's what made their numbers look good on paper every month was those trade paperback sales then as the years went on those especially once everyone just sort of owned watchmen after the movie hit it had that huge uptick as time went on those sales just dwindled dwindled down that was after burger albert's right about not being shocked when they finally killed Virgo, because I do recall at one point, a couple of years after Karen Berger was let go, I do recall thinking, for the love of God, just put this line out of its misery, because it was not what it was meant to be, but it was something that was wagering on. And I'm going to go ahead and call this. There's Other than little snide remarks made here and there, back and forth at conventions and stuff, there's no true evidence of this, but that was basically one of Didio's little wars inside there was he did not see the need for a vertigo comic line and without Karen well, it Berger, took him years to get swamp thing back because every few years vertigo would put out a swamp thing book that would sell like crap and dc would be like we want swamp thing and vertigo would be like nope he's ours see we put in that book things like that can be worked out in-house by people sitting down together Berger was not uh karen Berger was not an unreasonable person by any means she but, wouldn't give dc uh, back swamp thing she was 
we don't know the entire story on that. I don't think that was the whole thing. DC could have used Swamp Thing anytime it wanted inside its superhero line. It just ne would not necessarily mesh up with the Swamp Thing that was going on in Vertigo. Sandra, you're you're also right. That's the way DC always appeared and was actually during the 80s and into the 90s. They were willing to water the plant and give it time. Mm -hmm. and, and see what came about. That changed in 2003. Of course, what happened in 2003 was Didio. All of that changed. When, when Didio came in, that opened the door wider to the Warner Brothers incursion, and now we've got AT&T sending notes to Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers, it was bad enough. I mean, DC, Warner Brothers incursion into DC Comics really became drastically apparent when there's a wonderful, outstanding Superman story, a story worthy of Superman called Our Worlds at War. And in it, Aquaman dies in front of Superman's eyes. And the way they did it was there's not much walking around it. Aquaman's gone. Aquaman's dead. At the time, Warner Brothers Animation had the Justice League spinoff of Batman the Animated Series coming. In the third episode of Justice League, Aquaman was going to appear. So when the Warner Brothers execs got wind that they had just killed Aquaman, boy, they sent down notes left and right saying, you've got to bring him back. So as soon as that old incursion was on, they had Mark Wade. Uh, Mar was it Mark Wade on Justice League for the big time travel story to Atlantis? I'm thinking. They had 12 issues dedicated to bringing Aquaman back, and by the time the first of those 12 issues hit the stand, the Justice League cartoon had aired half a year earlier. So that had been Wade, or I think, who was after? Was Joe Kelly after Wade? It may have been Joe Kelly. Was it he not after Joe Wade? Kelly. Yeah, thank you. He did. Was. He did a bunch of work with like, him and Doug Monk was on Justice League together or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds. I right. can't remember. Something I, I, no, can't, I can't even remember the name of it. But it was twelve issues, and by the time the first of the twelve issues hit the stands, that episode of Justice League with Aquaman in it had aired at least twice at that point because it had come out six months earlier. From there, they got more invasive, and then they got trying to coordinate. And you've got Didio, who Didio's a shark. There's no other word for him. He sees an opportunity and goes for it. And the first thing that happens when a shark goes for an opportunity is he eliminates any competition. So goodbye, Peter David, and especially goodbye, Mark Wade, who I understand Mark Wade was for editor-in-chief at DC Comics when Didio got it. It was Joe Kelly. It was Obsidian Age. Obsidian Age. Okay, Obsidian Age. Yeah, I kept I kept dancing around that, and I kept thinking, no, it's it's some sort of jewel or something. Okay, but that's it. So from the time Didio took over forward, you were looking at a situation where the incursion of Warner Brothers was prevalent and uh, did affect the storytelling of the comic books. But DC hasn't had that sort of patience in quite some time, Sandra. And if you want evidence toward that, look at the new 52. Yeah. Look at Rebirth. Rebirth. There's no patience with these characters now. Now suddenly, and Albert and I were talking about this in an episode of the podcast that is yet to air, now suddenly the DC characters are wandering around talking about, is this the fifth or sixth time we've been rebooted? And it, and they're not doing it in a humorous way. This is something that I don't ever see occurring under the leadership of 80s DC comics. Of course, it was a different atmosphere then. It was a different world then. Yeah, AT&T 
Time Warner is about to throw everybody into a completely different situation, whether they want it or not. If 60% of the comic book stores that sell direct sell comics go out of business over this in the next year, that's a sacrifice that AT&T is perfectly willing to make. What AT&T doesn't realize is if 50% of the local comic book stores go under, then you can just write off the comic book industry as we know it. Because there won't be enough demand from those local comic book stores to print or to create. You basically cut half your market. I mentioned earlier that I had talked to comic book shops in Georgia and Tennessee last week. I've gotten word from a couple of comic book shops, a couple of other comic book shops in the state. They're not local to Birmingham. I want to say that right up front. They are considering contingencies on this and exit plans. And that's simply because given the shipping cost, their profits for DC Comics are going to be eaten up. And also because of the fact that this is a hundred, I think uh, Bleeding Cool estimated this or Bleeding Cool, somebody estimated the loss to Diamond at $100 million a year. At least a third of their business. Who can survive on that? You see, they've got, uh, definitely the comic books are the majority of what Diamond deals in. There's rightful concern over the fact that once Diamond had to close for the COVID situation, just like the rest of America did, and I won't keep throwing that out there, that within a week or so they had to work out alternate payment plans with its business partners, you know, Marvel, DC. And they did it with stores all the time, in good times and in bad times. They worked out alternate payment plans for these situations. You have, you can be expected, especially under these circumstances, to have diamond work with you on this, and so it's only reasonable to expect that the people that Diamond owes money to, to work with them on this as well, given the extraordinary circumstances at hand. I think AT&T Time Warner honestly saw this as an opportunity to strike a devastating blow to the market and, as Peter David said, to declare war on Marvel. Here's the problem. Yeah, AT&T is just really powerful. Yeah, Warner Brothers been around for a hundred years. Everybody in the world's on you, but yeah, you've been around for a hundred years or more. They don't deal in imagination, and they don't deal in creative ways of thinking, and they're not open to an employee from one section of the company having a good idea that may benefit another section of the company. Disney is, and I know I'm sounding all bippity-boppity-boo about this, But if this does cause extreme damage to the independent comic book retailers out there, I would say that it would come, it would fall to Marvel and the mother company, Disney. Somebody will come up with a creative way to get floppy comics or continue to sell floppy comics. Not just this wonderful idea of digital, which we just can't figure out why it hasn't taken off even during the COVID virus. It just has not pulled in those numbers that everybody was expecting. Well, digital stuff did take off in, during the COVID thing, but not for not for entertainment purposes. Yeah. Or for food purposes, whether it be groceries or restaurant, that shoved all that forward. Oh yeah, but I'm and, specifically you know, a couple of years just like books, that. Yeah. I'm specifically talking about comic books. There's just a lot of changes, and it, it's not boding well for individual retailers. And I've got to say, 
And again, we've said this in an earlier part of the podcast that was recorded last week. I, I'm completely and totally in agreement with Albert. As much as I love Kingdom, as much as I miss dealing with everybody there, I am so very grateful Kingdom's not having to deal with this situation. Let me interject here real quick. There is no... Uh, DC does not benefit, or AT&T, Time Warner does uh yeah, AT&T Time Warner does not financially benefit from Midtown and DCBS being the distributors. There's no known connection there. They don't own them. They're not uh, fiscally involved beyond the uh, distributor relationship they've got going there, which is why I believe that the, both the Midtown and DCBS are chosen because they can be dismissed easily and quickly. Well, we don't know what their their terms are with the those two retail distributors. No, no, we don't. We don't. I mean, they might be getting. I've no doubt that there's a plan in place, but what I also don't doubt is that AT and T Time Warner is not going to give a damn what happens to Joe's comic. Shack. I don't know if there's actually a Joe's Comic Shack in existence, and if there is, you're welcome for the plug. But Joe's Comic Shack or Podunk Comics or any other comic shop out there. Now that much I do know. They don't care. This is not about them. This is about thinking that Diamond Comics has caused their stagnation when actually it's the people in their marketing and the story plotters and, to a degree, the higher editorial department at DC Comics that's not getting the job done. I've no doubt that they've got a lineup and a plan that we don't know about yet. I don't think that independent comic book retailers are a big part of that plan at all. And I don't think that floppies are a big part of their plan either. They're going over to publishing publishing graphic novels. I'm sure they're very excited about their young adult side and their graphic novel publishing going through Penguin distribution to the Walmart shops and the Barnes and Nobles and such. And I'm sure they've got stuff lined up that they're going to put out that they think is going to be a big hit because we've got certain creators on certain titles for graphic novels coming down the line. But I don't think they're really looking past the next year for the floppies. I, I don't think that by the end of 2021, you'll have 15 regular titles hitting the store shelves, floppies from DC Comics. Let me qualify that with this. I hope I'm wrong. I hope this is the best thing ever to happen. However, at the moment, it doesn't seem to be, and it's putting a lot of people in jeopardy, and it's it's not overall consideration for the base and it's not overall consideration for the characters or, or the fans that made you. And in the past, when things like this has happened, things don't go great for the product. I would imagine DC will do floppies as long as Marvel does floppies. Well, apparently I think your dog agrees with, agrees you. with me. <laughs> he is all about those DC floppies. I, I don't assume that. I don't assume that. I can actually see Marvel continuing doing floppies and finding alternate ways to get them out, so long as they at the very least maintain the market that they have, while DC pushes its way into this other sector. If no comic book shops go out of business and everything's hunky-dory this time next year, I will say, wow, they did it. Congratulations, DC. As of right now, I'm not going to say that because I've heard from retailers that are considering exit plans due to this latest action on top of having been closed for two months for coronavirus. Yeah. So, yeah, Albert, I don't doubt that they have 
a plan for what they're going to do. I just question how this plan's going to harm others in its way and the fan and the core fan base. People can, you've said it before, they've already missed two months of comics. There's a lot of people out there waking up saying, I can put my budget toward other things. This brouhaha is enough that when they go to their regular comic book shop and the regular comic book shop has to say, we're not signed up for them yet or our orders haven't arrived yet or we're not sure what's going on or we're not going to, or even, God forbid, we're not going to carry current DC comics because of the situation. And then they go to the comic book down shop down the street and they say the same thing or something similar to it. This would easily, there's not a title at DC Comics that I absolutely must read that would force me to go out and track down where I can pick it up monthly at the moment. But if the shoe was on the other foot, I would go out of my way for Hickman's X-Men and Savage Avengers. You wouldn't go out of your way for three Jokers? I would. No, I'd just buy three Jokers on Comixology because mm-hmm. I care that little bit. I don't necessarily want it on my shelf. I'm more curious about that than any other feeling toward it. I look forward to New Mutants and X-Men. Uh, they make me feel good. Well, um, this week's New Mutants wasn't, yeah. wasn't much of a book. It, it was good. It I wasn't don't know about right. that. It, it started off, the, it felt very much like Claremont Sinkovich. Here's a random podunk European country where something bad that happens. That was funny. That was funny, though. He points it out, too. Not some American idea of some backwater European country. The president of the backwater European country actually says, we're here to show you, me and the military are here to show you that we're not some American version of a backwater European country. Well, no, it's, I still didn't care for it. No, I want to know what's going on with the girl. This is kind of a nightmarish type issue. I enjoyed it. I thought the art was inconsistent. It wasn't artists. bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was just inconsistent. I mean, his Ileana looked pretty good, but when we flash back to his Danny Moonstar did not. I, I thought the writing was fine. I gave the writing a four, the art of three, and the dynamic a four, overall score 3.7. And to me, this carried the spirit of Claremont Sinkovich, the more horrific issues, while at the same time continuing to evolve and spotlight different characters in it. Well, I gave the writing a three, the art of two, and dynamic a three. I just, I didn't care. This is obviously just filler. Well, it's a couple of issues of the story, but I, I enjoyed it still. It's nothing to shake me off of it. Sandra, have you read anything this week? Started Dune. <laughs> you say Dune? Uh, Dune, yes. The comic book? <laughs> no, no comic book. The film adaptation, the Marvel comic film adaptation of the original? No, the actual novel Dune. <laughs> have you ever read it before? No, I haven't. But I'm very familiar with it because I used to play the game Dune. Which game? The computer game or the old board game? No, the old Avalon Hill board game. Gotcha. And I'm telling you, thank God I did. Because, well, let me just say that Frank Herbert is no George R.R. Martin. I mean, (laughs) he has some great ideals, but his writing is... If I had no ideal about, like, who these characters were, what these items are, I mean, the first chapter, I mean, he's throwing a ton of stuff at you that has very little explanation. It is a high concept. I mean, it's it, like all that science fiction of that period. It was all about the ideals, not so much about the writing. Between playing the game a lot and watching the 1984 version of 
There's a movie we should watch. The 1984 <laughs> version of David Lynch's Dune. I could... When I went to see the movie when it first came out, because it was being held as the new Star Wars, just like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and every other movie before it, I went to see the movie and I bought the ticket and then they handed me a vocabulary sheet. Yeah. <laughs> Did they really? And I was like, the hell is this? <laughs> I didn't come here to learn. I was reading the vocabulary sheet and it was trying to explain to me all these different terms and stuff. And I was thinking, I just wasted $3. <laughs> you didn't like Sting and some weird Speedo? I didn't like any of that movie. And what's more is when I got out of it, I complained about the movie so often that one of my teachers said, okay, okay, so you didn't like the movie. Maybe you should try the book. Now, this is after the Church of Christ school where I inadvertently got everything written by Tolkien banned from the school library and from the school yeah. in general. And so I was like, okay, fair enough. I love reading. I'll try the book. I think I read the first chapter, and I thought, this is some more of that Lord of the Rings crap. They're just setting it in space, and they're going to trick me into reading it because they're going to try to make me think that there's sex or drugs or something in here, and it's never going to happen because I saw that stupid movie with that naked rock star. But they got murder words, Sam. <laughs> so I put Doom down. <laughs> or hurt words or something? What'd they call them? I don't know. The witches and the movie was, I, I thought the movie was an embarrassment because everybody in the movie had thought bubbles, except they weren't thought bubbles. You were listening to them think. <laughs> and the only thing worse than reading thought bubbles is having to sit through a movie and listening to their thoughts. Mm. I really didn't need to be dictated to as to what was going on the screen to that degree. So I kind of I kind of bailed on Dune altogether. I decided that I didn't care for Herbert. I am looking but, forward you know, to that new Dune movie, though. I'm curious about it. But that's only because here lately I've begun to sit through absolutely horrific movies and somehow rather finding them inter well, more entertaining. I was about to say, after, after what y'all have made me sit through, Dune is looking really good right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, My tolerance level has gone up. <laughs> What's that? Stan's the one making us watch this stuff. Making you watch it. You're making next, me. Next podcast, Armageddon and Deep Impact. Be here. <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. We appreciate you all listening. Thank you so very much. We appreciate it greatly. We're sorry we missed last week, but as you heard at the beginning of the podcast, we had good reasons. I got really perplexed over the editing situation. So we have that knocked out, and I think we're back on track now. If you got any questions, comments, especially about the DC thing, I've already heard from several of you on it and have asked that you wait until this episode comes out and uh, see if we don't answer your questions directly. But yeah, if you've got any questions, insight, comments, well, we welcome them all. KingdomComics at gmail.com and KingdomCasts, that's Kingdom, C-A-S-T-S, at gmail.com, and both of those are on Facebook and Twitter as well, so follow us there. If you enjoy us, please do give us a five-star rating. That does help us out. Share us with your friends. If you hate us, share us with, share us with your enemies. If you have a love-hate relationship with somebody, share us with them. You know, we're, we're very flexible. We're open to any sort of relationship at this point. <laughs> we will uh, swipe right on anything. <laughs> Stan is speaking for himself. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody wants Sandra's home phone number, <laughs> or Albert's, do not make me drive to Birmingham. <laughs> 
we appreciate you all greatly. We'll be back next week, probably, with the Armageddon Deep Impact episode. So thank you all greatly. Albert, Sandra, thank you both. Tell them good night. Good night, everybody. Kingdom Casts is owned by Kingdom Comics Incorporated and produced by Stan Daniel and Albert Marsh. No part of this program may be reproduced, replicated, or replayed without permission. Special thanks to Sandra Swindle. Also, thanks to our content contributors, Jason Bean, Tim Bryan, Denise Daniel, Josh Duke, Alex Fitzpatrick, Charles Hickey, Allison Marceau, Mark Adam Miller, and Contrita Olstead. Logo designed by Geoffrey Gwynn. Edited by Stan Daniel. Kingdom Casts is copyrighted 2020. All rights reserved. And then boom, space quit.